Pastor Joe, it's good to be here with you yet again this uh, Sunday morning. You know, Sundays are a, a special time. I know at times we feel like maybe Sunday is about us, but really Sunday is all about our Heavenly Father and presenting a glorious offering, whether it be through worship and song or through the spoken word or through the receiving of the sacrament. Our prayer for you this morning is that you would know that God the Father loves you and that that is enough. There's a couple of things that we want to share with you this morning. I'm going to change the order up, so I'm going to throw Andrew for a loop. But uh, our church just doesn't just do things on Sundays, and it's not just about adults. We've highlighted the children's ministry over the last couple of months with different things that they've done and different outreach opportunities we as a church have. But it's time you heard a little bit about what our youth are doing. And this guy right here, yeah, this guy right here is uh, faithfully leading them into the presence of Almighty God. Andrew, tell us a little bit about this 30-hour famine. Yeah, so last weekend we had the 30-hour famine and uh, we had a great turnout with students. We raised, I think it was $3,425 for World Vision this year. Yeah, a round of applause. Uh, Cole and McKenna Johnson, two of our students, Cole's on our leadership team, um, they raised $1,440 just themselves. Um, so really, it, it was awesome. It was amazing. Uh, so it was a great event. We, so this year, if you don't know, Conduit Ministries donated a very large bounce house to us. Um, and so we own one now. Love it. Uh, and so this is a picture of a game we were doing. Uh, the students came on Friday nights, and we did a bunch of games. Uh, and this one was, uh, <laughs> you ever played the card game Spoons? We have the spoons in the middle of the table. Well, we put the spoons at the end of the bounce house. And they had to run around to go through the whole thing. And that's, we're missing a section of that too. It's, it's humongous. But um, it, was, it was a really cool event. Justin Joyner was our guest speaker. He's the associate pastor at um, Trinity United Methodist Church in Frewsburg. He did a phenomenal job. Um, it, was, it was really cool to, uh, this year, we've seen a lot of new students that have, have never been to church before, have never potentially heard the gospel. Um, and so it has been an absolute privilege and a blessing seeing God work in their lives, work through our unbelievable uh, a team of volunteers and our awesome leadership team of students too. Um, there's two of our volunteers hanging out right there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was, a, it was an amazing experience. And, and so Friday night they, they went home and I got to sleep in my bed. It was wonderful, thanks to COVID. Um, and sun, or Saturday we came back at 10 a.m. and uh, just in, enjoyed the rest of the day together. Um, and so it was cool too to be able to experience fasting together and explain what fasting is, is because I think that's kind of a lost discipline, especially within um, students and within teenagers. And so it was cool to do that together. Um, we had a few students come for the first time ever was the 30 hour famine. And they were like, man, I hope we get to eat at some point at church. Um, and yeah, and then Gina Jirasi, oh, we actually, um, too, th usually for the 30 hour famine, we go out, and we do service projects within the community. Um, this year with COVID, we just didn't feel comfortable sending our students and sending our volunteers out into different places. And so we Got creative and did a few service projects here. Um, we put together, that's a, a compost bin that we, uh, the students all put together with the help of, of Jay Young. Um, and so hopefully we'll continue to, we'll put stuff in there and make some compost. And then if we get really eager, we're going to make a garden in the summer. 
have some food for our food pantry. Uh, but we also wrote letters to the nursing homes, and we filled um, uh, blessing bags for homeless in Jamestown to where hopefully we'll be able to string them or, or give them to um, just different places in Jamestown to, to hand out to people who need it. Um, and then a few other things, can't remember at the moment, but yeah. And then we ended with a wonderful meal. Um, the youth ministry this year has been, it's been awesome. And so I ask you guys just to continue to, to pray for so many new students who are just hearing about God. Uh, I can think of three off the top of my head of this year. They said, you know what, I, I need to make some changes in my life. I want to know Christ and so I ask from the congregation as we pray for those students and pray for our leaders and our volunteers that they can continue to have the wisdom and to pour into these students. Um, and it's been absolutely amazing to see. And if you ever want to come check it out on a Wednesday night, you are more than welcome. It's a little crazy, but it's fun. It's a lot of fun. So, yeah, thank you. Ministry is a, it's a lifelong adventure, right? Some of us are, we're all working together. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. Some of us are paid and some of us, the bulk of us are unpaid, right? Amen? So uh, you're, all, you're all working in this together. We're all working together. Um, you know, over the last 15 years, we've had a woman who has faithfully been, been working and leading us into the presence of the Lord. Carolyn, you can start working your way up here. She's really excited about being the center of attention. She loves that. I'm going to tell you a brief, uh, sappy story. Carolyn and I go back almost the whole of my life. And um, she told me the story of my dad knocking on her door and inviting her to be the, the organist or pianist, maybe at the time, at a, a little church in Blockville, New York. Correct? And uh, Blockville, the Blockville United Methodist Church is no longer a church. Um, it's no longer, well, I guess the building is always going to be there, but... Oh, well, till it's not. The church is always going to be there. Maybe it's a better way to put that, right? But the building is no longer a gathering space for worship. But um, Carolyn and her daughter, Heather, I grew up with Heather. Heather and I are about the same age. I think uh, I might be a little bit older, actually. But uh, we grew up together and caused trouble together, and it was, it was Heather who dared me to stick Play-Doh up my nose. And of course, you can't let someone dare you to do something and not do it. That's not a life lesson, kids, by the way. If someone dares you, you don't have to do it, okay? But uh, for the last 15 years, Carolyn has been the, giving us the gift that God has given her in music and sharing that with the congregation. And uh, you most recently heard that kind of, not portrayed, but you were able to be a partner in that ministry through Lessons and Carols this year. As you heard, the Lord just use her gifts to bring glory to God the Father. And, uh, you know, we can't, you've tried to say goodbye several times. Is this number four? Three? Yeah, two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But God said, no, you couldn't find anybody. So it's all based upon finding somebody, whether you can leave or not. Two years. <laughs> and finally, God said, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. Timing is everything, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes yeah. waiting upon God uh, for the perfect timing. Yeah. This seems to be it. And I, I'm yeah. so pleased yeah. and thankful for this congregation. Yeah. And I've gotten to know you through weddings and funerals and lessons and carols and all kinds of other services. And uh, God has 
has blessed me to have you as my family, my church family. Amen. So we'll continue being that kind. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and, uh, retirement isn't leaving for Carolyn. Retirement is retiring into the choir. Right? Right. An active participant. Absolutely. Something. We'll see what that looks like. I'd like to, to pray for her, and uh, we'd invite you to join us after the service for just a time of fellowship and saying hello and goodbye and all that stuff uh, in the foyer. Jesus, we thank you and praise you for this woman who has impacted lives more than she will ever know and has never sought glory, but has always given glory to you. Father, as she transitions into a, another chapter of life, Would your Holy Spirit continue to use her as she continues to labor in love? And this isn't goodbye. But it's we'll see you later in a different capacity. And Lord, we thank you for her. We pray your blessing over her and Chuck and the ministry that they share together. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. 15 years Carolyn has served the church. those of you at home couldn't see was the body standing in celebration of a woman that was faithful and that continues to be faithful. And uh, thank you for your affirmation of that. Carolyn, are you ready to preach? Because you're up now too. You know, um, life can get a little sticky at times, can't it? And it gets a little bit challenging. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at a a text in Scripture where Jesus takes quite a bit of time and sits with his disciples and teaches them again who he is, who God is, but ultimately teaches them who they are, right? And uh, we looked first at the fullness of God's love and the statement that Jesus made that he loved them to the end. And there's nothing more after that. It's the fullness of. And last week, Tom unpacked a, a, a wonderful sermon on the service, uh, the love of service, and how we as the church are part of that. You as the church are part of that. And how we get to live this out in everyday life. And I don't know about you, but people over time have impacted my life, some for the very, very positive things, and others maybe for some of the not-so-positive things at times, but the impacts are real. Today, as we look at another piece, I would invite you to come with an open heart. And that was our our prayer this morning, was that the Holy Spirit would work on your hearts today. Because Jesus is going to make a couple of declarations that if your heart isn't positioned right, you can't receive. You see, Jesus is going to invite you to believe him. And believing something means we take it as truth. So there's a couple of things that I'd like to invite you to on the front end. And the first is to maybe think about a time when someone shared something with you that you thought was true but wasn't true actually, right? 
And uh, maybe also to think about a time when someone told you something to be true, and later you realize that indeed it was, even though maybe you were skeptical on the front end. You see, culture is constantly shaping us. You can't ever escape culture. It's kind of like um, Gilda in the fishbowl. Does anybody know who Gilda is? No, only a couple of you. Wow, you haven't been in Suzanne's office lately, right? Gilda lives on Suzanne's desk. Gilda can never escape the water that she is in. The moment she does, she ceases to exist, okay? Uh, It's like that with culture. You can never escape it. But as human beings created in the image of God, we're able to at least identify it around us. And uh, the scripture says that we're to take captive every thought, right? That we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And I would invite you today to allow the Holy Spirit, to allow the God of the universe to transform your mind, to allow you to take captive the thoughts that God is giving you right now. Would you pray for me this morning? Holy God, we thank you and we praise you that you are good, that you are truth, that you are grace, that you are love, that you are merciful. God, that you are just. Even when we don't always see that or acknowledge that. Lord, thank you that you love us. So, Father, whether through my words or in spite of my words, speak to your children who have gathered here in your name, that we might know you more fully. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, a couple of things. We're going to be in the Gospel of John, continuing on uh, chapter 14. I want to share with you out of actually out of the text that I have. So I'm going to ask the worship team not to put it up on the screens, which is going to be confusing for you uh, if you rely on that for the Bible on Sunday mornings. But if I could give you a couple of things, and I found that this to be, to be helpful. Not everybody is, is fully aware of how to read the Scripture. So I'd like to give you a couple of, of teaching practical tools in, in Scripture, right? So there's a few things that you need to know. The Scriptures are divided into two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, The beginning of the New Testament is the Gospels. The Gospels are eyewitness accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And uh, there's a few things when you read it. Most of us pick up a book and we start at the very beginning and we read cover to cover, right? Well, the Bible is comprised of 66 little books brought together in one word of God. So as you read them, you need to understand that maybe there's something going on in this text that isn't necessarily going on in another one. Because it's someone else's perspective and the Holy Spirit working through them to deliver a message. But there's a couple of things also. So when I give you the chapter, those are outlined. There's no way you're going to see this. It's 8.5. I can barely see it. But when I give you the chapter, so I give you the book, right? It's John's Gospel. And I give you the chapter. Those are the big numbers. Chapters are the big numbers. The verses are the little teeny numbers that absolutely nobody can see without a magnifying glass, Right? But uh, in the chapter and verses, those weren't there in the original manuscripts. Those were put there afterwards. The bold letters or the italicized letters or, or things that are kind of cues for us as readers weren't there in the original letters. It was just an original manuscript, right? Um, it doesn't have any subheadings or things like that. So as we read, sometimes we, we take those other things as scripture and they're not really. They're someone's interpretation or someone's help along the way for us. So today we're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, uh, and we're going to look at the first 11 verses, verses 1 through 11. 
If you brought your Bibles, I'd invite you to follow along. If you're on your phone, great. Uh, hopefully you're at least reading the Bible app. Stop perusing Facebook, okay? Marketplace will be there when we're done. Uh, but uh, join us in the Word of God this morning, and uh, Lord, would you speak to us through your Word today. It says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. If you write in your Bibles, I would invite you to underline that. It might say, trust in God, trust also in me, but believe is a little bit better translation right there. It says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'd invite you to underline that statement in your Bibles. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There has been no other uh, statement as exclusionary as this one in all of history. We're going to come back to that. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him or said to Philip, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. The word of God for the people of God, thanks be to God. This word is true. You can trust it. You can take it to the bank. You can, whatever analogy you want to put there, the word of God is the word of God. Always. There comes a time in our lives when we have to believe where we cannot prove something to be true and we have to accept that which at times we can't fully understand. If in the darkest of hours we believe that somehow there is a purpose in this life and that the purpose is love, even the unbearable things of life become bearable and even in the darkness there is a sliver of light and of hope. Amen? Sometimes you've experienced this in your own lives when you've navigated great grief or you've gone through some of the darkest valleys as the psalmist writes, right? There's a few things that we want to share with you today. The first is the invitation of what do you know? And while I'm not going to ask you what you do know, I'm going to share some things about those statements. Then we want to know, how do you know it? Most of the time when we know something, someone else has shared it with us, right? Most of the time when we receive knowledge, it's come from somewhere else, right? Occasionally, some would say, I've had divine revelation. That would be coming from somewhere else also. So if you learned it somewhere, you, you took someone else's words or statements to be true, and you believed them at some point, right? Right? Two plus two equals four. 
Two plus two equals four. You believe your teachers who taught you that, your parents who taught you that. The person in the seat next to you that you cheated off their test, right? (laughs) What do you know? How do you know? And then we're going to bring some validity to the statement that it's not what you know, but who you know. In our culture, that statement is used because we use people to accomplish our tasks, right? Or our agendas. I was sitting in the, the front row of one of my first classes at uh, Asbury Seminary, and Dr. Peterson was delivering a lecture on the philosophy of religion. You want to know a class that's going to shake your theological beliefs? It's philosophy of religion. And he made this statement. He said, given enough time, money, or resources, we can know absolutely anything. I heard someone say, wow. You said it audibly enough that I could pick it up. That was my audible response. But my guess is that some of us have bought into that movement of the enlightenment. That we are able to know everything. The disciples come to this spot at a very specific time. So I kind of shared on the front end what it is to look at the Bible and how we look at it with the chapters and the verses. It's important to not just read a single verse out of the context of the whole of either the book or the chapter or even the whole context of the Bible. And um, you'll notice that, that we skipped over a pretty big section of John 13. A couple of weeks ago, I preached from the beginning of John 13. Last week, uh, Tom preached from the middle of John 13. We skipped over a section that is um, foundational to what is taking place here with Jesus having this dialogue with the disciples. You see, there's a man named Peter. Does anybody remember Peter? Peter's known for a few things. One of the most prominent things is his denial of the Christ. Do you remember that? It takes place in John 13, actually, where Jesus predicts to Peter that, Peter, you will deny me three times before the cock crows. There's a new law and a new commandment that Jesus gave. It's found in John 13, verses 34 and 35, and I think part of 36 unpacks it too. But um, he says this in 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And then he said this, when you love one another as I have loved you, which we learned a couple of weeks ago that love was all the way to the very end, right? He says, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If you miss everything else that is shared today, if you miss everything else, hear these three very simple words. God loves you. God loves you. 63 times in the Gospel of John, sorry, 57 times in the Gospel of John, The word love is used. 47 times in John's first epistle. So 1 John. 47 times. 
The central theme to all of the Gospel of John, to all of the Scriptures, to all of the character and nature of God is that God loves you and God loves me also, right? Sometimes it's really easy to say God loves you. It's a whole lot harder to say God loves me, right? Because I know me. I know me just like you know you. And you know the things that you've done in the past and the things that you're thinking about doing right now. God loved Peter, even though Peter was going to deny him. Think about this for just a moment. Jesus has factored our failures into the equation. Jesus has factored our failures into the equation. And when you look at this conversation with Peter, it comes full circle. God loves you even in the midst of your biggest failures. And Jesus has already factored that in and loves us to the very end. Amen, church? If you hear nothing else, know that God loves you, right? If you're going to know something today, you need to know that and you can take that to the bank. In this little text that we just read, six times the word know is used. Likewise, six times the word believe is used. And Jesus is talking specifically to it to his disciples. Are you familiar with the term exclusivism or exclusive? Exclusive means that something uh, is exclusionary and only certain things are available to it, right? One of the complaints of those in the world at times is that Christianity is extremely exclusive, closed-minded. Do you remember what I told you to underline when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life no, under, double underline the word no, circle it, highlight it. No one comes to the Father except through me. It doesn't matter how much we know. All the knowledge in the world will not allow you to spend eternity in the presence of Almighty God. There is only one, there is only one who gives access in a very inclusive way to the Father, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. You see, just like it's not about inclusivism where everybody belongs Some of you, that's probably hard to hear. But we need to understand the context and the reality, too, of what Jesus is saying. God's desire is that none would perish. In the Gospel of John, in the third chapter, we find one of the most famous and often quoted scriptures in all of time, right? John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that's the King James coming out in me, sorry, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. And yet it is only through Jesus that we have access to the Father. Yesterday morning we gathered, I say we, I use that term loosely, I was there, but they were there before I was. 
with about a dozen uh, men from your church with the very single, singular purpose of growing in knowledge and faith together. And we studied, we studied what it is to understand the resurrection of Jesus and the hope that comes in that. This text, if you've ever been uh, at a, well, hopefully you weren't the one being funeraled. That's not good English right there, sorry. <laughs> hopefully you weren't the one that was, the funeral was for, right? But if you've ever been to a funeral, these words, in my father's house are many rooms, are oftentimes quoted at funerals, right? Why? Because it gives hope. The reality that the God of the universe has a place for you, for his children, those who believe in him, will never perish. There is great hope in that, and there is in the midst of sorrow and tragedy a sense of uh, purpose, a sense of life, and a sense of hope. We talked a little bit yesterday about the early church and some of the, um, some of the teachings from the, the early church and those outside the church, and they couldn't believe that these first Christians, right, these first Christians would go to the grave simply for the fact that Jesus Christ is alive and I will be alive as well. And they went all the way to the cross. They went all the way to the burns. They were dipped in boiling oil. Some were beheaded, right? Sign me up for that. No, really. If it means that I can be in the presence of my God and Savior all the days of my life, as the psalmist says, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You knowing that you have a place reserved in heaven is one thing. Having confidence in getting there is quite another. It's not simply what you know. Likewise, it's not simply how you got to know it. But I would share with you that there is no accident that you are here today. Not one of you came to Bemis Point United Methodist Church this morning on accident. You intentionally got into your car and nobody stumbles upon this place, right? We live in kind of a remote area. You have to drive here. There's intentionality and purpose with that. And I want to, you, so you're going to know two things today. The one is that God loves you and that God is faithful, right? So God will always be faithful. Always. That's his character and his nature. When it's the character and nature of something, that's what they always are. God will meet you today right here. His presence is here. You've already experienced it. You've stood in the presence of Almighty God and worshipped Almighty God. And God is speaking to you today, giving you a word that you can share with others. How do we know, how do we know that God is here? Because the word told us. Because the word told us. And we can believe it. Sometimes we make the mistake of linking what we know and believe to be true to our experiential feelings or what we feel. And that's a huge mistake. Because what happens if we don't feel like God is present? And we want to believe our emotions. Then in that moment, we will believe that God has abandoned us. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you are feeling like God has abandoned you. Like you're praying faithfully, fervently, and you're not hearing the response to things that you think you should hear, right? 
Like your prayers are just kind of hitting the ceiling. Does anybody else feel like that at times? Sometimes I have to go outside and pray because I'm like, then it's not stopped by the space above me at least. God is here. And we pray that your eyes and your heart would be open to receive that. Because the psalmist says, better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere to stand in the presence of God Almighty, which you have done and are doing or seated in the presence of God Almighty, which is happening right now. Would you be open to that? Jesus makes a couple of declarations that I've said were some of the most challenging and the most exclusionary statements in all of Scripture. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Context here is very important. Context just means who was Jesus talking to at that time, right? His statement is, is timeless, but who was he talking to at that time? He was talking to 11 disciples. Why was there only 11? Because Judas the betrayer had just left, the scripture says. Judas the betrayer had just left, leaving the 11, and Jesus is having a dialogue with them, and they were Jews, They understood what it was to have God be the way. As you read through the psalmist, you read over and over again that he is the truth. Jesus is making a declaration that he is indeed God. As he is. You see, it's it's one thing to follow a teacher, right? To believe what a teacher says. But teachers aren't able to embody the fullness of what they are. Jesus is enabled to embody the fullness of who he is because he is God. I and the Father are one, he says. And I am the life. If I could leave you with one final thought all throughout this text and all throughout Christian history, it has been about a, who you know, not what you know, or what you do. And Jesus makes it crystal clear that it's about relationship. You can know a whole lot of stuff and be surprised at the end of the game if you don't know who came to seek and to save. As we get ready to come to this altar today, I'd invite you to think about a couple of things. The first is that Jesus' solution to this problem is not a recipe. It's a relationship. And that relationship begins the moment we believe. And believe takes a couple of different parts, right? It means we accept it to be true. No matter what we may feel, no matter what others may say, when you believe something, nothing sways that. And the second is that we take and it becomes active. Right? 
as you come to this table today, which is holy and sacred, maybe, there we go, I'd invite you into a relationship with Jesus. I can't tell you exactly what happens here because it's a mystery. We've foolishly tried to explain exactly what takes place in communion. And I can tell you some of the things that take place. But I can't tell you exactly what takes place. But what I can tell you is that if you want to come and experience the grace and mercy and forgiveness of Almighty God, if you want to experience the love of God the Father as evidenced in the Son, that happens at communion. Believe in God and believe also in me. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we thank you and we praise you for today. Lord, forgive us where our thinking has been more about what we know and the resources that we have. Transform our minds, oh God, right now. Would your Holy Spirit move in ways like never before. Mold us. Jesus, there is no other way. You are the only way. May we be faithful in following you. May we bring our doubts and our struggles and maybe even our inhibitions to the table and leave them right here at the altar and experience you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, I invite you to just sit for a moment in, uh, in silence and uh, allow yourself to engage in an act of repentance. Repentance means uh, acknowledging the sin that you have maybe actively engaged in and the sin that you unintentionally engaged in and allowing God to forgive you. Repentance also means that we will not engage in that again, right? So I'd invite you to sit just quietly for a moment in, an, in a time of repentance and then I'll lead us out of that in prayer and we'll come to this table together once our hearts are ready. Father, forgive us where we have sinned against you and against others, where we have been a disobedient bride. And Lord, free us. Free us from the bondage and the pain that comes with that. Father, we ask it in the name of Jesus, the risen Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Church, hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks to God the Father Almighty. He broke that bread and he shared it with his disciples, even Judas. He said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. And likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to the Father and he shared that cup with his disciples. And he said, this cup is the blood of the new covenant, my blood which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it and as often as you do, do this in remembrance of me. So Lord, we invite you here today to these gifts of bread and cup. Father, may they become for us the body and blood of Christ, broken and poured out, that we who are many may become the body of Christ in a broken and hurting world, Lord. May we receive forgiveness today and give forgiveness tomorrow and always. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, for now and all days. Amen. Church, the body of Christ broken for you and for me, take and eat in remembrance of him and the blood of Christ shed that we might have life. Drink. stand as you're able and join us in the doxology. Praise God from whom all
Church, as you get ready to leave this space today, I'd invite you to know something, that God loves you. I'd invite you to realize that you know that because the scripture is true and Jesus has said it. And I invite you to know the one who has said it. May the Lord Jesus Christ be before you to lead you, beside you to justify you, behind you to defend you, above you to guide you. Might Jesus, the risen Christ, the author and perfecter of the faith, by the power of the Holy Spirit, be within you, enabling you and empowering you to go and love the hell out of the world. In Jesus' name, amen.